This is Government Gone Digital. Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with Nathan Williams from our Human Resources Department, and we're going to talk about our changing culture here in our organization. I like to call this place the Google of government, and we've created some branding around this idea. We don't operate like a typical government organization, um, which makes us very unique, and Nathan, you're fairly new to Gilbert, and so tell me what your impressions were when you arrived to this government job and world, and talk about the changes that you've already made and are planning to make. Yeah, certainly. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I guess as far as first impression, the, the the first thought that came to mind is this isn't typical government. I'm not from the the government world or the public sector background. I have a, a private sector background, and um, so I probably had a sort of a flawed, stereotypical perception of government. Um, you know, very much the we work our straight nine to five. We we don't bend the rules. We don't raise our head, our, ha- our hands, or whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't see that or, or feel that here. You know, my opportunity to um, throughout the interview process was w- with meeting with various leaders um, throughout the town of Gilbert, um, people that that aren't satisfied with the status quo, that are looking for opportunities to continue to improve and, and evolve and um, and grow. And that was something that was really exciting to me. And and I think was the the selling point that got me to want to come work here. Yeah. And one of the first things that you tackled when you came was new employee orientation and onboarding and that first impression that you make to employees who are coming to work here. And I had had over the course of the last year, two new employees start and they said they had told me, and I believe I told you this during the interview process, but they had said, when I went to orientation when I got here, I thought I'd made a horrible mistake. I walked in, it was so boring and dry and dull and, you know, no offense to what it had been, but again, we'd been doing it the same way and it was 90 minutes on the personnel rules and handbook and, um, you know, a lot of rules and kind of sitting in a room and, 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 Again, probably similar to what you'd see in other government organizations if you had worked somewhere previously. But we here in Gilbert don't operate that way. And when Patrick came to Gilbert six years ago, he really looked at operating this place more like, as I said, like the Google of government and thinking differently about, um, you know, how we approach our work, how we hire people, um, what we do to keep them. And so I think that's really interesting that you chose that as your first focus area. And let's talk about some of the changes that you've already made. Cause I know, um, I've now had a new employee go through it and she was like, well, that was awesome. Yeah. So a complete night and day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so th- I agree with you. I, I went through orientation when I first started. Right. Right. Um, and it was really interesting because I, I can see, I can see how it became that. I, I understand the this sort of feeling for the need for brevity, right? The need for um, getting the information as quickly and concisely as possible, that the sort of must-have information, um, and just sort of a data download of here's what employees need to know coming out of the gate, that, you know, what will get you fired, um, what can you not do, what should you do. Um, and, and But but I also recognize that that Gilbert is is a very special organization, and, and people should feel that um, when they first join us. They mm-hmm. should it should validate, right, the interview process. It should validate 
social media. It should validate what's in the news. And so my opportunity to sit through orientation, um, it was kind of interesting because I knew coming in that it was an area we needed to work on and, and, and we needed to make some, some pretty quick improvements in. Um, we had our, our facilitator, um, Richard DeGraff, who's one of the learning development um, consultants here, and he started off with this sort of introduction to the, the vision values of the town. And it was a very inspiring opening. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the funny thing was, it was, it was very brief. And so that was the first thing I saw was that's what we really need to be doing. That's what we need to be driving home. That's what we need to be focusing our energy and our effort on is really connecting people to who we are, to our vision, to our values, um, and really expanding on that and and making it a memorable experience, making it something that that touches on emotion. Um, You know, I'm a big believer that you have, if, if we think back to every experience throughout our lives that really has any meaning, um, there's an emotional connection, emotional tie into it. So, you know, I, I don't think really, I mean, I guess if you want to get really broad, any training should just be a download of information. Mm -hmm. You need to find a way to connect people to the information, connect people to the experience, whether it's, you know, it, 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 it brings out, you know, excitement or, um, it connects them to why, right. The purpose Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. So that, that was, that was, again, that was kind of my first impression of the orientation experience. And what I saw that we really needed to do very quickly was start to tie in, um, you know, these experiences that, that would really exemplify and really uh, align with who we are as an organization. Yeah. And one thing I always talk about is when you're going to spend more time at work than you are at home or with your own family or doing anything else in your life, you should enjoy it and you should be connected to it. So when you talk about that emotional tie, I love that because it's really what we're trying to foster here in Gilbert is, you know, people who are passionate about the community, passionate about this town. And, you know, maybe some of them have never even been in Gilbert before, but it's an opportunity for them to fall in love with it. I know that you had um, another coworker in your department who said, oh yeah, I applied for this job here because I saw a Justin Timberlake dance video that you guys made. And so just connecting all those pieces. And I think that that's really important that you tapped into that. Like you said, the social media or the video. I know one of the things I loved is that you incorporated a lot of the videos that we'd already made into the onboarding process to, you know, that breaks it up and makes it a little bit more fun too. Yeah, exactly. We, and, 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 you know, without it sounding, um, childish fun is a huge piece of it. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we connected, um, several elements that are really, again, they, they, they're meant to sort of teach. They're meant to, 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 um, introduce people, whether it be to the physical elements of the town, you know, the, the examples of our public works, um, you know, organization or, or the things that are out there that I don't know, you know, not coming from government, it it didn't even occur to me that municipalities have to deal with sewers and Mm -hmm. fire hydrants Mm -hmm. and water fountains, you know, or whatever it may be. And, you know, parks and, and all these different variables. And so we, we, we tried to tie in some elements that kind of introduce people, but again, like you said, in a, in a fun and a memorable way, one thing we, we rolled out is a scavenger hunt. Um, and our, so our new employees, they kind of run around frantically um, throughout our, our buildings here within the, the municipal complex. And um, it, it's an opportunity, obviously, for them to sort of, we sort of gamify 
the opportunity for them to go out and 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 see elements of the town to meet people that work for um, the town of Gilbert, you know, through the police department, through fire, um, various areas. But but they're learning as they go, and they're 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 becoming familiar with who is where and and what's where and, and things of that nature. Um, and, and and like you said, you guys have done a great job um, in the digital government group of of already creating some really compelling, really meaningful content. So yeah, we we wanted to tie that in. We wanted to make sure that. Again, our the orientation process now as it stands, which is is two days, um, you know, of, of kind of classroom and, and all these activities. We want to make sure that those two days are really spent aligning people to who is the town of Gilbert. You know, what what are they trying to become? What are they working on every day? What really matters mm-hmm. to them? Um, and, and seeing that and kind of living and breathing it. So. Yeah, there, we've 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 tied in a few elements um, that are like that. That again are meant to be these kind of memorable, gamed up moments, but are are also meant to teach and yeah. and and create a kind of a, a memory. You know, kind of a a first impression, a real um, a real impression that that aligns with with who we are and excites people about being here. Yeah, and I think before it was a lot of the the rules and the policies right. and and that's a big part of government that surprised me too when I came here and one of the first things people always ask me is well what's your social media policy or right. what you know rules do you have because there's that we always talk about the fear um, in government and I think when you open the door and invite new employees in and then you download 90 minutes of rules and procedures to them you know it makes it very difficult for you know, people to get excited about the work they're doing. Right. So I think it's really important that, um, and I know obviously there has to be rules. It's not like we can't have any rules. That's It's very important. But I always tell other cities or counterparts when they're asking about creating policies, you know, be careful that you don't create rigid policies so that people won't want to touch social media or engage with you. And, you know, one thing that I think um, you can help us tap into here that I'm always really advocating for is that our employees are our brand ambassadors. We want them to love where they work and to talk about it outside of work and to be shouting from the rooftops that everyone else should want to work here too. And so um, I think that's really, really important. So to be able to connect that through orientation, I think is really great too. Absolutely. And, and you make a good point. I, you know, I think that we get confused sometimes with, um, or, or maybe misled a little bit, whether it be the public sector or the private sector, um, both can be guilty of this, that we think that we need to sort of set this, this, you know, path, right. That, that is a, like you said, that is a kind of policy rules and procedures driven path. Um, and we want people to really follow that path and, and set the expectation of what happens if you, if you veer off, Mm -hmm. um, and what are the consequences. And I, I think that, I think first of all, that's sort of, um, it's, it's, it's sort of devaluing the capability that people are hiring. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't think, first of all, I think we're a, we're a, an organization that people want to work for. Um, and we get to be a little bit selective about who we hire and we should be, you know, through the interview process, really, we should be kind of vetting those candidates and making good decisions about, are these people that sort of already align with who we are and with our culture and with our values? Um, and if so, then they don't need a lot of rules and restrictions imposed upon them. You Absolutely. know, that if, if you just give people 
really more you 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 sell them on why we do what we do, mm-hmm. why it matters, mm-hmm. um, and and then you you sort of turn them loose and let mm-hmm. them let them go after that in the way and that like they parenting. make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Just like parenting. I mean, I always exactly. I always say this with, um, you know, my husband and I, you know, I'm not. I, I don't recall I've really ever broken the rules, um, but I I don't think that I'm you know a rigid kind of rule follower. My husband will always say that like he grew up with like there were just like a lot of rules and mm-hmm. these were the things that you did and you didn't ask why and whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, I always ask why. Well, why right. aren't rules meant to be broken? Um, and so you know, and not to say that there shouldn't be guidelines because like I said with social media, obviously we don't want our um, employees misusing social media. And I know a lot of other cities out there might be listening, thinking, but, you know, how do you control, you know, ex-employee from going on? And um, we obviously have, what we did was we tied it into our personnel rules, similar to what we do with like de minimis use of personal email so that you can't be sitting on Gmail or on Facebook all day at your desk. You need to be doing your job. However, um, it's fine if you want to be checking your email or getting on Facebook or sharing the content that the town's putting out. I know we've had, you know, major road closures this week. Like how great is it if all of our employees share that with all of their networks, think about how many more eyes will get on that content. Right. So it's really important to kind of kick it off when they come here about, you know, and being excited about the community and, and where we're going. And so I'm just thrilled with it. And I know I've gotten some great feedback and another area that you're really focusing on is training mm-hmm. and kind of building our future leaders. And, you know, we talk a lot about that. And so talk about where you start with something like that. I know in the past I've been dragged into a lot of mandatory trainings, um, in-person trainings, but I know you're now providing us with some online tools that will be really beneficial for us. And can we can work into our schedules and on our own time, which right. I think is great. Yeah. That, that's another, um, that's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. And, and I, I, I don't take credit for thinking this up on my own. I really, I think I'm passionate about it because I see where we're going as far as preferences, as far as what people want, right? And again, mm-hmm. it, it kind of ties to that. I think social media has probably led the way a lot in in sort of our expectations as far as how we consume content, right? And so the world, um, the sort of classic approach to to training tends to be you come and you sit in the classroom and it's either four, four hours long and you get a 15 minute break or it's eight hours long and we, we have to feed you lunch. Yes. (laughs) Um, and, and you better make it work because that's when we do it. Um, and, and, and that's a sort of a, a, that's a world that is, is not really, well, I would say relevant to some extent, but it's also definitely not conducive to, you know, schedules and work demands and, um, all of the diverse elements to who makes up an organization. So we, one thing that obviously the, the, the world of learning development has been doing for quite some time, and I'm pretty familiar with um, and trying to really look at ways we can do it better here, is um, create content that's more accessible when the learner needs it and when they can consume it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that's in these kind of, you know, this kind of, I want to say micro learning, that's a very cliche term in my industry, but you know, that are at least in these, these smaller, more digestible chunks. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're looking at, um, taking a lot, you know, one example, one thing that I saw when I, when I first, um, came, came to Gilbert is we had a, we had an eight hour training, um, that was, you know, a, a, a good, I mean, a very beneficial, um, you know, 
training, a, a lot of good content. But when I spoke with um, the facilitator of that training, he kind of said, well, you know, I, I created an e-learning for this, for a big portion of this quite some time ago, and we never really started to utilize it. Mm -hmm. So when I had the opportunity to look at his e-learning, which is, um, I think it's about an hour and 15 minutes, right. it basically covered everything that was in that eight-hour class. And I thought, well, why are we doing this? Right. You know, and so um, I think oh, just... because we've always done it that way. Exactly. So I think just asking why, like you said, just just being, kind of having that natural inclination to ask why and and not just have that, this is how we've always done it, kind of, a, kind of an outlook, um, is probably... I mean, not probably, it's definitely very important in my industry, but I think in all industries that we need to be able to sort of question why are we continuing to do it that way when expectations and behaviors and needs have changed, mm -hmm. um, we need to adapt with, with those changes. And so, yeah, so we're looking at um, a lot of e-learning content that we can, we can kind of give to people whenever they need it and put it in their hands in much smaller, you know, um, kind of bites of, of data. Um, and then obviously there's certain things that you need, especially I think soft skills and things that kind of connect people to how we interact as humans. Those things are great for the classroom. When it comes to policies, when it comes to processes, when it comes to regulatory things, that's the kind of stuff you can provide in you know, uh, an e-learning or some sort of video content piece or something of that nature. And we need to migrate more toward that um, for the sake of, of the needs of our employees. So. Um, so that's something that that we've definitely been working on. Another thing you touched on that I'll that I'll kind of speak to is leadership development. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not not only developing people who are currently in leadership roles, but really building our bench for the future. You know, one thing that's new to me um, coming to to government, coming to the private sector, is you can really forecast when people are going to retire. You know, it, coming from Coming from the corporate world, you never know because people don't save well and they don't have 401ks and, and so they may be there till they're 85. But, you know, in the in in government, you can you can make a pretty good um, you can predict pretty well when people are going to are going to leave you. And you need to be preparing for that. You need to be preparing your, your workforce to move into leadership roles, to continue to grow and advance. Um, and, and and I think that's a sort of a gap we've had here in Gilbert for quite some time. Yeah, and I think because we are notoriously lean and oftentimes there's only one person that does a specific job, right. there's not a lot of depth in the organization in general for even when, you know, someone goes out of town or on vacation. Right. I think we've all struggled with this for, you know, I know I have for five and a half years. Um, there's, there's just not depth here to back up on all the things we need to. So it is hard to think about training those people when you look around you're like okay who it who is that person right so um and i definitely think you're right especially with public safety um because they you know have careers that at some point are going to end and so you have a you know a whole large segment of our police department or our fire department that are going to be retiring it is really important to be to be planning for that and thinking about it so i think it's really exciting and, and amazing what has surprised you the most about government well, that's hard because again, I don't. I don't think this is normal government. Um, I there were a lot. I'm of... I'm so glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Because I think that was Patrick's intention, but then you always wonder if someone really does come from you know completely from the private sector, and they then they come here if they would really feel that way. 
Yeah, and, and there are certainly differences. Um, you know, one thing that, that I've seen, and I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, I think that a lot of times you can sort of, um, in the private sector, you can sort of roll out the flavor of the month, you know, um, new content comes out or a new trend in whether it be learning, whether it be even, you know, marketing or, or anything of that nature. And if you can sell the executives on it, everybody get, has to get on board, yep. right? Um, that's a little bit harder in the public sector where there there's there's processes that, that are very important. There's transparency. There's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's Consensus these. Exactly. From large groups. Right. Yes. So there's, right. there's a lot of, there can be some rigidity and, mm -hmm. and in a way that might not always be a bad thing because you're not constantly sort of tossing and turning with the, the, the wind yeah. of trend. Right. Yeah. Um, and so th that's, that's been a little bit different one. And another thing is I, in getting hired, um, I had an opportunity obviously to sit down with, with, with my boss, with Jolene and discuss sort of my vision and I sort of mapped out three big initiatives, one of them which was to, to redesign and, and launch a new um, new employee orientation. Another is leadership development program. Um, and then another is, is really to do a thorough assessment of our content and, and how are we putting the content in the hands of the learner. And I sort of looked at that, again, from my experience in the corporate world where I got to do all of this in 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned is government doesn't always move that fast. Yeah, they don't um, turn and shift. Right. Of course. Yeah. Right. But I always tell my staff like not to slow down to their pace, but try to pull other people along behind right. you. Because I mean, in the line of work that we do, we can be, and I've talked about this before, but we can be using Periscope one day and you go to bed and you wake up and it's like, oh, Periscope's done. Now we're doing Facebook Live. Right. Like we have to be able to shift gears to stay relevant. I think some, some departments don't. And maybe it's because they're comfortable, they won't. So I think it is really interesting. It's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why government is so far behind in right. so, on so many levels is because it does take three years to figure out how to migrate to another place. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, that place that you're migrating to is obsolete. Exactly. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it, it and and I think we we experience the same thing in the world of learning and development that we're we're sort of we need to be changing at the pace of the learner and the, and the learner's preference. And the learner is is impacted by Twitter, you know, so it's 140 characters or less. They're impacted by YouTube, which is what two and a half minutes of a video is about all somebody can stand these days. And and so we have to think about that, right? And that that goes back to you know, the, the, the kind of old world of a four or an eight hour classroom training is not conducive to preference of the learner. And it's not just a matter of preference. It's a matter of, of, of engagement to the content, right? People are going to tune you out mm -hmm. if you don't captivate them and engage them. And if you wear out your time, right, mm -hmm. you, 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 you run out of time as far as what they're willing to commit to. So, so you're absolutely right. And that is like, like I said, that's, that's been an adjustment for me to see, you know, maybe there's, there's challenges sometimes to shift and move in this role as quickly as I was used to, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in the private sector. But, but yeah, I, I think that people have been very open to the change where I, I was probably given some some warning or some guidance when I, when I joined the town of Gilbert that, Hey, 
people are going to be resistant sometimes and there's mm -hmm. going to be there's going to be some some delay or there's you're going to want to do something now and you're going to be told you have to wait until the next budget cycle or whatever it may be um but 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 for the most part that that kind of causes me to have to be a little more adaptive and innovative as mm -hmm. well you mm -hmm. know that okay if i can't if I can't go hire staff until the next budget cycle, then what do I do right now? What do exactly. I do to, to drive the change I want to see right now? Because it still matters. And you're absolutely right. If I don't do it now, then my vision may be obsolete, you know, 12 months down the road. So we have to be able to adapt and, and change with the world that's changing around us. So. I love it. That's why you're here. That's why we're so glad you're here. Thanks. So, yeah, thank you so much, Nathan, for joining us. And thank you to our listeners. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think about this podcast. And we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Mm -hmm.